Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. There is no doubt the court have decided she's been convicted of involuntary manslaughter. It might not be murder, but she has been convicted of being a killer. She is now a convicted killer, as is her father. And they'll never escape from that, the Martins, either. That's just the way it is. They killed a man and they didn't do it in self-defence. They did it illegally. No matter what they come out with, that's going to always be there. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The sentencing of Tom and Molly Martins in a North Carolina court for the manslaughter of Limerick dad Jason Corbett brings some closure to the terrible events of August 2015 when he was bludgeoned to death at his home by the father and daughter. But it has left a terrible scar on his loving family who've had to sit through weeks of shocking evidence which painted a false picture of him as a violent and threatening man. Today, I'm talking to Niall Donald about the sentencing, which will see the pair serve only between 7 and 30 months in jail. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. An awful outcome for the family of Jason Corbett, really, um, from America, from the courts, and really sort of um, shocking and heartfelt victim impact statements from his two children. Yeah, I mean, look, it, 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 it may be not what the family want, absolutely, and as they've said, uh, but I do think that at least in the judge's summation that he made clear that the story given by Molly Martins and by Tom Martins was not credible. Yeah, um, he's like holes in it. He said there was holes in it. He pointed out certain inconsistencies about Tom Martin's behaviour in particular. The idea that that he didn't call for help if there was such a violent struggle going on. The idea that his wife just went back to sleep. And then he said bluntly, the judge, he can't know. He's been given this evidence. He can, you know, he can make his own judgment on that. But only three people know what happened that night, Tom, Molly and and obviously Jason, who's passed away and isn't there to give evidence. So he's dealt with what he could deal with. But he, I think... You referred to the difference of the injuries on, on Jason Corbett's body he, and the lack of injuries on Tom and Molly Martin's bodies. Exactly. And referred even to a, a bracelet that was on Molly Martin's, a very light, uh, you know, 
uh, metal bracelet, I don't know what type of metal, that that wasn't taken over or didn't fall off during this monumental struggle. We've heard again and again how little uh, wounds or injuries were sustained by Tom or Molly, um, while Jason Corbett's injuries really were laid bare during the evidence heard of during the sentencing hearing where, you know, it was described how his, you know, basically his, his brain was exposed by the blows, presumably from a brick that was mysteriously in the room. So, I mean, I think the judge, while while he, he's constrained by the level of sentencing he mm. could have given, which I think was a maximum of seven years, you know, I think there was a general feeling during the initial part of the hearing that that they might just walk free. At least they have gone Back behind bars. And Where he's ordered a psychiatric report of Molly Martin's yeah. as a matter of sort of, you know, immediacy because yeah. she's only going to be in for a short period of time. So that will have to be done. Whatever value it is now, she's going to be freed within seven months. Well, it's, yeah, it's, I think it's, is it six to 23 months? I don't know. We don't know exactly. Seven to 30 months. Sorry, is it okay? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, so she's going to be psychiatrically assessed. I mean, even yesterday, uh, look, whatever, we've heard a couple of weeks really of one-sided evidence. Um, we've heard a parade of so-called experts, I suppose you could describe them as, people that have been hired by Molly Martin's defence to give testimony. None of these ever inspected Jason Corbett's body, knew any of the family, so they're assessing these files and coming up with a series of sort of bizarre, some of them more bizarre than others, theories. And we've had a couple of weeks of this narrative you know, I think it's unusual even over there for somebody in the position they're in to launch this defence. It's really been, I think, for PR purposes as much as anything else. So really the first time we've heard anything from Jason's perspective was um, in the victim impact statements given by his son, daughter and, and sister. And I mean, it was really harrowing. I'm going to just... Yeah, because oh. Sarah's only 17 and she was, I think, eight when her father was died and her or died and her brother Jack is 19 years of age. He was first into the witness box to give his testimony. Um, and I mean, listen, these kids, they're teenagers now, young adults, really. They've been through the mill multiplied by and they were very brave and courageous to be able to stand up and to give this testimony. And, you know, ever the drama queen, Molly Martins, in the body of the court began sobbing during their uh, victim impact statements and the sobs got louder and louder and louder. Um, yeah. It seems that she is well, very much, while continuing this, you know, innocent sort of little girl lost narrative, she is also very much... This is all about her. Yeah, it's all about her. I mean, look, so she came in, obviously, but people would know the background, but she came in and um, she, she, she met Jason following the tragic death of his first wife, despite what there's really, that's a gross. The judge didn't refer to that, did he? Well, of course he, he can't, uh, I'm not in the bit. No, I don't think he did. No, I'm, which so, is, I thought in a way that was good in that it dismissed that sort of, but I mean, um, like they they produce these. I mean, they produce people to say whatever they needed them to say. Yeah. I mean, it, it's meaningless. Yeah. Like, I mean, the 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 basic fact is that they're we don't we're not living in some sort of uh, wild west, you know, developing country. This is Ireland. She was medically, her death was recorded 
and assessed properly. And she died of an asthma attack very tragically. There is no... That's Mags, his first wife. This is Mags, so... I mean, and the mother of, of uh, Sarah and Jack. Yeah. So it, it's farcical, I suppose. But I mean, so obviously Molly Martins uh, came into that family after she met Jason following the death of his wife and began to uh, help raise the, the, his two children. <clears throat> And she professed her love, she professed her undying devotion to these children and seemingly became, uh, you know, that, that was all her motivation. That's from her side. But the reality of what you hear in that court is that this was not a woman who cared for these children. This is a woman who was controlling and obsessed with these children. I mean, it's maybe a difficult thing to be brought in in a blended family. But in that circumstance, you have to put the children first. And in everything that she did, she put herself first. But, you know, Niall, I always thought, you know, from looking at this case and um, working with Lynn Gallagher on the Virgin Media documentary, going through the files, and she had serious psychiatric problems. Yeah. She was 26 when she applied for a job as an au pair. Au pair. She stood out to such an extent as a good candidate because she lied on her form. She had herself down almost like as an Olympian athlete. She said she was, you know, in childcare, had had all these sort of qualifications in it. Um, she had just come out of a psychiatric hospital mm. after a serious sort of a, a, a psychiatric break. And her family sat back and allowed her go to care for children at the other side of the Atlantic. Mm. And I always thought that was an incredibly um, dangerous thing to have done. Because surely if you're relying on the falsehoods of somebody's application, you're taking them on. Jason Corbett or his family had no idea that she had a history of, of psychiatric problems. Now, not everybody with psychiatric problems is is, no, is mean, manipulative or is violent, but I think that is something that you'd certainly like somebody to be open and honest about it. They were coming in to be in full care of your children. Children yeah. who had no mother, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think the reality is that whatever about any uh, psychiatric diagnosis she received, her problems are personality problems. I mean, she has deep seated, deep seated personality issues that are independent of bouts of depression or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And you just see from every step, she was a manipulative person who was always seeking to control and without any, uh, see, like all of these kids that she was meant to have loved. I mean, the damage that she has done to them. Mm. And the reason that they're damaged is not because she didn't want to obsess, control them, probably physically look after them all right, but really she wanted these little these little creatures love and adoration and she didn't care what she was going to do. And the fact is that I think I'll just read you some of what, um, you know. Yeah, I was going to suggest maybe let's just go through a little bit of what, maybe let's start with Jack because I'll, he was I'll, the first to give uh, his victim impact statement. I have some of it here okay. if, you're, if you're looking no, but for But I just it. have Sarah here, but go, go for go So for Jack, that. basically, and he, he's the older child, he said he'd lost so much of himself since the day his father was taken. He said his words were weaponized to help Molly Martins and Thomas Martins get away with killing his dad. 
And he described Molly Martins as a living monster um, that he never saw his father hit her. He said his father didn't deserve to be killed. He sort of appealed to the judge that, you know, in a way she was coming across in this sort of innocent, vulnerable fashion before him in the court. But what lay beneath was the truth that he knew of. And of course, both those children were encouraged to tell the authorities in the US that their father had been violent towards her. So Sarah also, um, yeah, I mean, this what did she say to say? Because hers was even more damning. Well, this is the, the exact, they've both spoken about the same thing. Like obviously in the aftermath of, of Jason's death, um, they the, the kids spoke to a social worker, I think it was four or five days after, after yeah. his death. At this stage, they'd been coached by Molly Martins about what to say to bring up this uh, domestic violence allegation. And these kids are really young at the time. And both of them spoke in their t- in their in their victim impact statements about those actions at that really really young age have haunted them mm-hmm. ever since. And I mean, you can understand that Completely. having your own kids. You know, I think at one point the judge said it'd be impossible to coach kids in four days. I mean, I don't know what sort of children he's dealing with because yeah. anybody who has raised kids and have them that young. They're like little machines. If you tell them to say something, mm-hmm. they can. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really can. And this, what they said then at the most vulnerable time that you could possibly imagine at an age that nobody could hold them accountable for anything that they say, um, that has haunted them for the rest of their lives because it's been used against their father. Yeah. Um, and um, So Sarah, know, she she spoke about... Molly, what Molly sort of trained her to do, she says, as a child. Yeah, she said, um, you know, I was used by her. All I've ever been was a piece on her chessboard. When I got home to Ireland, Molly posted all my images all, all over Facebook and went on the radio to tell people to find me. Molly Martins took notes I wrote from her when I was younger and pictures of me as a child and shared them all publicly on social media for everyone to see. Mm. She betrayed me again and again. And even shared a note I'd left with her the last time I saw her. And she did all this to get publicity for her lies about my father. There was nothing I could do to stop her. I was eight years old. I was trying to start a new life in Ireland, but she stalked me. She she tried to hire a plane to fly a banner over my school in Limerick. I remember that. I mean, I remember bizarre. That, yeah. And then she speaks again then later on about Molly making contact with one of her schoolmates and try and get a message to her. I mean, this is really, really psychopathic. She was put under guard of protection, um, you know, at that time. Like, of course, she was in their lives from when they were babies, really, because their mother died when Sarah was two months and Jack was two two or three. And they moved to America, I think, when Sarah was four and Jack would have been six-ish. And Sarah was eight and Jack 10 when yeah. this awful uh, ha- um, murder, uh, killing, whatever we have to call it now, happened to their father. Um, so, yeah, very vulnerable, very oh. easily manipulated time in any child's life. And, you know, Sarah Corbett, you see, all that time, by the way, when they initially, after he was killed and the family had to travel, had to first be told. And I saw the police interviews with uh, Molly Martins when she's in the station, the immediate aftermath. And she's, um, you know, crying a lot in the station. And the the um, the officer asks her, does she need to contact Jason's family? And she makes out she's afraid of them and she doesn't want will, will the officers do it? And she she's afraid of them. And, you know, mm. they've 
connections and all this sort of stuff. Um, she doesn't want to tell them that Jason is dead, the family back in Ireland. So they get informed, obviously. And Tracy Lynch, who is Jason's sister, and I have spoken to her and no doubt she will when she has regained her composure after what's happened. I have no doubt she will do an interview somewhere and explain the whole situation from their point of view. But she has spoken about that sort of journey that she had to take to the States and they had to kind of get those children out from under those Martins people um, while they had admitted to killing. So from the very beginning, they admit, yeah, we killed him. Yeah. But, oh, we killed him because we had to. Yeah. So they have a situation where their niece and nephew, um, with a, uh, no mother and now no father is in the care of these American family who've killed their father. Yeah. So they go out on this absolutely mad um, trains, planes and automobiles to get to them. And then they have to get out of the States because she is trying to go to the family courts. But I think there was, wasn't there a custody hearing? I think they were gone at that point. I think they had made their way back to New York and with the help of the Irish Embassy had made it back to Ireland with those children. She was going into the courts to get a court order, to get a barring order yeah. against that family. Yeah. So when those children were brought back to Ireland, can you imagine trying to explain to those children yeah. what has happened? And I mean, their world was upside down. And then you try and settle them. You try and give them the kind of the comfort and security of home. And there she is looking to fly a plane over yeah. their school. Constantly on Facebook, constantly putting up pages. You see, this is, you know, kids at that age will attach to whatever parental figure is there, whether that parental figure is utterly dysfunctional and abusive. Yeah, of course. Kids will attach. That's yeah. natural. Yeah. They don't have their own sense of self that yeah. comes as a teenager or whatever. And, you know, Molly Martin's but Molly Martins is an adult, mm. like she's 30, whatever at this stage. And you see the difference between what what a child should get love from or whatever figures are in their lives, right? And what she has given them is not love. Now, she's obsessed with them and she probably brought them to sports and all of that. But what she's given them is this kind of uh, controlling behaviour. And at all times... She never considers what is best for them. But now I'll take that one step further while we're on that, yeah. right? And Molly Martins is somebody who has had serious psychiatric yeah. issues, okay? Yeah. Her family know that. Yeah. And while somebody who maybe doesn't have that history yeah. and is very manipulating and convincing could convince their family quite easily of this scenario that they're being, you know, beaten and hurt by this man and that they're afraid. But they understood and they knew that she had this sort of fantasies personality. Yeah. I think they're even more culpable, the the family, than, than her. I'm talking about Tom Martins who went with her, mm. went with at that man with an, an, a steel baseball bat yeah. and basically and battered him to look, death. If you look at the thing of, like he had this this baseball, this sort of new baseball bat that he brought to that house and he was planning to give it to, to Jack, I think it was said. I mean, it all sounds really, really sketchy, doesn't it? And in every, like in everybody who has dealt with Tom Martins uh, from the police and all of, of, from all of the contacts seem to describe him as being an exceptionally arrogant and, mm -hmm. and, and aloof old man. Yeah. Um, so look. But not only that, I mean, did he bring that baseball bat and there's plenty of questions you could ask around that, but the actual trip to the house mm. was made at the last minute. It was a four hour drive. Yeah. They hadn't planned to go. They never usually went at this particular time. Um, 
It was like there had been a call with Molly and they got into the car and drove four hours and then decided they'd stay there last minute because he was out or something and, and they they just decided they were going to stay the night and go home the next morning. There was even questions around the actual visitation. You and know? I think as well, like you describe, uh, uh, I think it's, it's Jack describes um, uh, how she... Molly Martins, or sorry, it's Sarah, describes in her victim impact statement how she was manufacturing injuries, yeah. you know. And I think you you have some of her friends uh, gave testimony about how she had told them about Jason uh, hitting her. Mm-hmm. But I think this is all in a sort of brief period before this happens. And anybody who's, she's manipulative to an incredible level. And I think it's very easy to put that stuff out for a few months in advance of his death. But again, you know that's what, I mean? what you call tittle-tattle hearsay, which it no, was. No, but I but think, I think, yeah. when she was questioned by the police officer in the hours after his 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 death, she was asked about, was there a history of de- domestic violence? And she, she kind of rocks herself to and fro and said, yes, it's gone on forever. Yeah. And the police officer says to her, had she ever attended yeah. a hospital? And she yeah. said, no, there wasn't one occasion over her entire time with Jason Corbett that she attended a hospital with any injury whatsoever that could have been related to a domestic violence. No, uh, I think I think incident. she I think she seeded this story out in advance of killing him. To yeah, be honest. I, do I, too. I, I don't think it's that like it's it's absolutely not implausible given yeah. given her history of, 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 you know, relatively careful manipulations. Mm. I mean, it's a very simple thing to do. Yeah. You seed it. You give it a couple of months, put it out to a few friends. It all seems to have been in a brief period in advance. And then all of a sudden she found, uh, magically finds a brick in the mm-hmm. in the house on the day he, the night he's killed. Look, I feel really sorry for them. I mean, those kids didn't deserve any of Aren't that. Aren't those kids very well-rounded individuals and young adults for what they've been through? They've obviously had a very comfortable, loving home here in Ireland with their aunt and their uncle and the rest of the wider family. They've obviously got a sense of security with them. And for them to be able to go over there, sit through that now Mm. and stand up in court and say, and they really, you know, they were the ones who brought their father's character back to what it should have been. They said he was a loving man. He was never violent. He was a great father and how much they missed him. They talked about, you know, the hole in their own lives because he's gone, because of the actions. They they spoke about the trauma. The trauma doesn't, doesn't end. Of course not. And, you know, I think as well, you can say that Jason raised those kids, you know, tragically, mostly on his own because of the passing of his wife. And you can see maybe the foundation of that he gave them. Yeah. You know, yeah. Before he died, mm-hmm. that to have one solid, functional, caring parent there will have stood to them. Yeah. But I mean, to have put them through that, it just. Okay. It's just disgusting that a justice system anywhere in the world would allow what went on. I mean, I know the American system is different to ours and all the rest of it, but I mean, I just found it utterly disgusting that they were able to go in and to make those allegations in particular about Mags's death. Yeah. For an expert, so-called expert, which he was a decorated man, yeah. to be able to sit in there and say it's likely that he held his hand over her they, mouth or put a pillow over her head as he was driving her to meet an ambulance while the woman was having an asthma attack. I mean, that's a disgusting thing to say. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't have been admitted in court. I mean, it's nothing. It's 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 just, it's absolutely speculation. Yeah. I think we said this before in the last podcast we did where they... they, they Defence had flagged up, we're going to 
introduced this incredible new evidence. And we said, it's not going to be new because it's just going to be pure speculation. And that's all it was. And, uh, you know, they really, they must have uh, spent a fortune putting out that defense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for what purpose, you know, I think the only purpose is to, for some sort of PR thing, um, you know, how much more healing would it have been for the children that she has claims to have loved for her to have said, I'm sorry for what I did. And, you know, I regret it all. Would that have been, if you cared for these kids, could, could you not have said that? Put mm. them first, even at this late stage. I mean, the sentence wouldn't have been the capabilities of doing that. No, but the sentence would they would have it wouldn't it might have even given her less of a sentence. Mm. That's all she had to do to give them a bit of a, a recognition that that what she'd said was made up and that she didn't mean to do it, and she's sorry. Mm-hmm. I mean that that would have given them some healing. Instead, those kids have to go to that court because they're in they're backed into a corner where they have to publicly defend their father. I'm sure they don't want to be no picture going in and out of court. They don't want to have their name in the papers. But they have no choice. Mm. And they're only kids still. And actually they've been put in a position that they now have to take ownership of the story. They do. And they now have to probably put themselves out there further. They do. You know what I mean? Do they have to try and find a big platform to tell the story as it is to, to kind of like, you know, cleanse her, her father's yes. reputation and name. Yeah. And in a way, like I know we're in media, but you'd nearly sort of advise them to do that at this point, yeah. the conjecture. You could either park it, try and compartmentalise what's happened, or you can go forward now in a statement just shared on X, um, Tracy Lynch, uh, Tracy Corbett Lynch, who's the sister of Jason, and she's the, the woman who stepped in essentially as the mother of these children. She said the sentencing was not a moment of celebration for the family, but added that the, we can still find a path to move forward in our lives. She said Jack and Sarah have at last had the chance to communicate unencumbered and freely without duress. While we may not be satisfied with the sentencing, we'd like to acknowledge the dedication and hard work exhibited by the Davidson County Sheriff Department and the District Attorney's Office throughout the past year, eight years, because I do believe that they tried very hard. Sure, they got a conviction for yep. murder in the yep. first place. It was the appeals and, um, you know, this plea bargain thing that went on in the background and she just finally she just said that the family were deeply grateful for the support they've received of the people of North Carolina and of Ireland and that's kind of like a very giving thing to say that because obviously it's separating the um, it's separating the Martins family and their actions from the wider community who've been very supportive of them. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, you're right. Like, I mean, like there's nothing sure that that Molly Martins is going to come out of prison and get up to the same stuff. Mm-hmm. She's going to be on TV somewhere in the US. She's going to be on social media. She's going to be she's playing going to be on that Tinder f- looking for the next. <laughs> but she's going to be playing that victim card. Yeah, That's really, really difficult for the courts yeah. because what do they do? Do they just let her, let her unleash all of that or do they have to go and contradict it? And unfortunately, you know, they've been put into that position they against have been. their will. Yeah, they have Against their own will. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would think they do have to do that. But, yeah. you know, it's obviously up to themselves what they do. But I imagine it's not totally over. They're not no. just going to get in a plane, come back to Ireland and forget about it. However, there is no doubt the court have decided she's been convicted of involuntary manslaughter. It might not be murder, but she has been convicted of being a killer. She is now a convicted killer, as is her father. They've gave, the judge has decided, ju- ruled that their story does not hold water. 
and that he can only rule on what he can, but that it doesn't make sense. And they'll never escape from that, the Martins, either. That's just the way it is. They killed a man and they, they did it illegally. And they didn't do it in self-defense. They did it illegally. And they'll that no matter what they come out with, that's going to always be there. Okay. Well, thanks, Niall. Thanks, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume the Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip and commentary.